Welcome to the Strongstown United Methodist Church. Join us for worship each Sunday morning at 11. Here's this week's message. My scripture reading today comes from Jeremiah 29. I'll be reading verse 1 and then 4 through 7. And Luke 17, 11 through 19. Please forgive me, I had to put a drop in my mouth here. <laughs> this is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city in which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. From Luke 17. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out, excuse me, called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except the foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you. I can feel my throat starting to get dry, so I put a drop in, so bear with me. As we talk about this scripture today from Jeremiah, Jeremiah begins by saying that he sent a letter to from Jerusalem, and, and listen to the words. He says, to the surviving elders among the exiles. So apparently some of the elders didn't make it when they was exiled. Some of the elders were not able to survive. And it says also to the priests, the prophets, and the other people. So basically everyone that was in exile because of Nebuchadnezzar, who was in Babylon, Jeremiah has sent a letter to. And in that letter, the next couple verses that I skip tells about who carried the letter and how important the persons they were. That's important if you want to read it. 
But here's the important part about that letter. He says that God told him that these exiles should build houses and settle down, plant a garden, and eat what it produces. So can you imagine if you are taking captive and you're in a foreign land, it would be hard enough to live there. It would be hard enough because maybe you can't understand their language. Maybe there's something different totally, excuse me, about the area. But he's telling them to go ahead and build houses, dwell there, plant your garden. He goes on to say to marry and have children and have your children have children because you're going to be there a while. If you skip ahead a little ways, you'll see that in 70 years, God said that he would come back. In 70 years, he would hear their cry and he would help them and they would go back to Jerusalem. But in that time of 70 years, he expects them to live as best as could be normal for them. I put that in my words. I hope you caught that. But he wants them to live as best as they are able to live because they're in a foreign land. So build a house. Take roots. Plant a garden. You can imagine that most of the families that were taken into exile, their children would be the one in 70 years that would be taken back to Jerusalem. It probably wasn't the ones that were taken. Maybe a few of the small children might have been part of the returning group. But he's telling them to be a part of this city, this town that you're put in. Do not fight with the people. Just live there. Get along with them. He says, have children. Increase in number. Do not decrease. And if you go on to read, he says about have peace and prosperity. And he says, after 70 years, I'll come back to you. In 70 years, I'll come back to you. As he says, for I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. Then you will call upon my name. If you seek me, you will find me. This is on down about um, 10 through 12. If you're trying to keep up there, I see you was looking for there. Did you catch it? <coughs> But it's interesting because God says he still has plans for them. My title for today should have been Love God, Love Neighbor. So think about this. Here's, here's people that are taken away from their homeland and taken to a, a foreign land, and yet God is telling them to still love him and love their neighbor. Love these strangers that have taken you into this captivity. They weren't really considered as slaves. They were captives. So they still had a little bit of freedom. Or they wouldn't have been able to build houses. They wouldn't have been able to have gardens. But they were there. They were probably working for the Babylonians. But can you imagine? If you think about this. If someone took you from this area and planted you in another country. I'm not just saying across the United States. I'm not just saying somewhere out of, the, out of your territory. But imagine if you were taken to another country and God says, 
I still love you. I let this happen to you because you didn't follow me. But I still love you, right? God still loves these Israelites. He loves every one of us, even when we are unlovable. That's hard to imagine, isn't it? But God still loves us. And yet, if you were in this foreign land, God is saying, now to live as normal as you can live. He also says to pray, pray for the people. Pray for these people that took you into captivity. We all know the verse about pray for your enemies. How many struggle with that? I do. I struggle with that. I admit it. Come on, we all do. We all have neighbors that we struggle to pray for, right? Situation recently. Neighbor kind of giving a little struggle, and I'm thinking to myself, well, I can think all kind of bad thoughts, right? But then God said, God spoke to me and said, no, you are to pray for that neighbor. Jesus said, pray for all of our neighbors, right? So even if we have neighbors or people down the road or across the street, wherever, that we don't necessarily like, we still need to pray for them. And yes, I admit that's hard to do. That's a hard thing to do. But yet that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to pray for everyone, for everyone. And as busy as our lives are, we have this tendency to categorize. I thought about this. We categorize. Instead of saying, oh, Lord, pray for all the people at the Strongstown Church, right? We do that sometimes. Hey, sometimes I'm in a hurry. I do that. I'm sorry. But God wants us to pray for each and every one individually. So if you think about it, when you're saying your prayers, God is saying a prayer, pray for your neighbors. So you should go around and pray. I have to try to remember who sets where so I can pray for everybody. And if I miss someone, forgive me. And every once in a while I get this old age thing and I forget somebody's name. I can see their face as pure as day and I'll forget their name. You ever have that happen? You're still young. <laughs> I have too many students to keep track of, so I'm in the I can back. imagine being yeah. a teacher, yes. Yes. Now imagine, I've got four churches. And I try to go around from church to church and pray for each church. So you can imagine that when God is saying to pray for your neighbor, as he told these Israelites, pray for the people that brought them to this foreign land. I still love you. But I want you to love them also. And you can imagine they probably were saying, okay, you stuck me in this town XYZ. Now I've got to pray for all these people. But that's what God wants us to do. That's hard to do, isn't it? I confess it is. But yet, that's what God wants. And we get so busy that we categorize. Instead of saying, God, pray for the people at Strongstown Church, pray for the faith people, pray for the red brick people, pray for the, pray for the Nanaglove people, we need to take time. We need to take time and, and take one at a time and go around and try to think of each person's name. And we need to thank God that we know these people as our neighbors. We need to thank God that we are neighbors. We not, might not be across the street from each other, but we're still neighbors. 
And God says he loves us. He wants us to love him and to love our neighbors. So some days we need to take more time to say our prayer so that we can cover everyone we can think of. We need to cover all the people in Strongstown, in Belsano, in Nanigo, and even Evansburg and Indiana, wherever you want to go. But God wants us to love our neighbor. Just like he wanted those Israelites to love the Babylonians. Can you imagine the struggle they would have had to say that prayer for the Babylonians who caused them the exile? Probably caused them to lose some of their families, some of their friends. And yet we know with the struggles that's going on today around us, the problems in our world around us every day, and we're so busy, it's hard to take the time to do that, isn't it? It's hard to spend time because I gotta get up, I gotta get to work, I've gotta do this, I've gotta do that. And if you're like me, your list is longer than you'll ever get to, right? When I die, I guarantee you there's gonna be a list left behind because we can't do it all. We can't do it all, but God wants us to pray for our neighbors. Pray for family and friends. Take your head here. But this is what God is trying to tell us. He knows he has plans for us. He knows that he knows what's going on in our lives. So what I'm trying to tell you in this today is when you look at the Israelites that were taken into a foreign country, and yet God said to pray for your captors. Pray for the people around you. And that's what I hope we can learn to do. I'm trying, I'm trying every day to learn a little bit better of how I can pray for all the people, all the people around us. Do you have some kind of a set pattern? Maybe I need to learn somebody has a good pattern. I usually start out with my family, right? We usually start with our families. They're first important in our lives. We pray for our families. And then we spread out to our, our, our extended family. How's that, extended? And then I think about the churches. I have a tendency to say my churches, just like you say your girls. Okay, I know it's God's church. It's not my church. It's God's church. And I'm thankful to God that he gave me this opportunity. But I do try to pray for all the people in all the churches. And then I pray for the community around the church. I pray for the people that, that aren't coming. What, what happened? What did we do wrong? Where are we failing? God wants every one of us every one of us to speak to our neighbors to pray for our neighbors and maybe then we can increase our church it's interesting to me if you remember the little three by five cards that we did a few weeks ago and i honestly truly only know one person who wrote one card out of all those cards i told you i wouldn't know whose handwriting it was it was only because of what someone wrote at one of the churches not this one, and I know whose it was. But I want to tell you one of the things I learned by those cards. Most people, and I won't put it at anybody because I don't know, most people want to know God better. That's a great thing. 
We all need to know God better, right? We all need to be closer to God. <coughs> and the second thing that I caught was a lot of people wanted to volunteer. And it's hard to get volunteers. Yeah, I can see the look on your face because I know how much you struggle. I struggle. Anyone that's doing anything in the church struggles to get someone. Will you help? Will you help? Will you do something? But everybody's afraid to volunteer. So that's the things that we need to think about. How can we help? How can we get closer to God? So I think the first thing and the most important thing is prayer. Is prayer. So I hope you get that out of that piece of scripture, at least a prayer. So moving forward, before I run out of time, to the story about the uh, Jesus and the leprosy people. Think about Jesus is traveling. He's walking along with him and his disciples and, and ten men of leprosy are, are off from him at a distance. We know they couldn't be near anyone. They were told they had to stay away. And usually they would say, unclean, unclean, don't come, don't come near. But here it says that they called to Jesus. They knew Jesus. When I read that, I thought, if Jesus walked through these doors, would we know Jesus? I don't think we would. We might have pictures in our churches. We might have ideas of what Jesus looks like, but I don't think we really know. So we wouldn't. But these men knew Jesus. They went, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And Jesus told them to go and show themselves to the priest. Now they had to have some faith to even start going to the priest before they could see that they were healed because you had to be healed before you could go to the priest. Right? They had to have some faith to, to make that journey. And as they start and they find out that they're healed, it said that only one of ten came back to thank Jesus. Only one out of ten thanked Jesus. I think our numbers today would probably be worse than that. Today we'd be lucky if we had one out of a hundred to thank Jesus for what he does for each and every one of us. Probably, and I'm, I'm just guessing that number, but there's so few of people that thank God every day for what he's done for us. Do we thank him because we got out of bed this morning? Did we thank him because we could come to church today? Did we thank him because we had breakfast on the table this morning? Did we thank him because we have a roof over our head? That we weren't out in the woods in this cold morning, right? Thank God. And the one that came back, he says, was a foreigner, a Samaritan, a person that most of them didn't like. And that foreigner remembered him and said, thank you. And he says, your faith has made you well. Your faith. So we need to learn by these stories that God still loves us no matter what. God wants us to love him and God wants us to pray for one another. Have faith. Believe. Believe and have faith. And pray. And pray. And pray. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, we are thankful. You are a great and awesome God. And Lord, you love us. 
even when we are unlovable. So we thank you for that. We thank you that, that we have the opportunity to gather in your house. We're thankful for our family and our friends. We're thankful for all those around us, for our neighbors, our community, our country. We're thankful. But Lord, teach us to pray for those that we sometimes question. Teach us to pray for those that we might not like as well as someone else. Teach us to pray for our neighbor, meaning everyone. Help us to learn to slow down in this life and to take time to pray. Teach us to pray, as your disciples said, teach us to pray that we might be better at it and that we might have that conversation with you that you just are waiting to hear. Thank you for each and every one, and I pray for each one, Lord, each and every one. In the glorious name of Jesus Christ, amen. Mm -hmm.